Hello, Lisa. Hello, Diana. Welcome to Should We? A conversation with friends about the everyday choices that make us. Today, it's just the two of us, and I have to say, I'm really excited to just have a conversation with you. Me too. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's been so fun to bring other people into the fold. That was part of our whole vision for season two, but it's nice to be back in our cozy space. Except uh, we only mean our cozy space of conversation. In fact, we are in a new to us physical space. Yeah, we decided to go pro and uh, actually book some studio time. So I'm sitting across from Lisa in a room with much insulation, and I can tell that we sound uh, just like NPR. (laughs) (laughs) Surely, surely we do. So just like old times, we have a few questions for each other uh, agreed upon in advance, but we have not discussed the questions at all. It's been really hard to hold ourselves back, but we somehow managed. Yeah, we have a lot of other things to talk about. So are you ready for the first one? I'm ready. Diana, should we get moving? So I have decided lately to embrace fitness fads. Uh, (laughs) Fads particularly. Fads particularly. Here's the reason. I just don't get that much out of exercise. Like the endorphin rush that people always promise never seems to happen for me. They always say... Oh, you're going to feel so great afterwards and you're going to become addicted to running or whatever. And like it never I never really get that. But maybe because I never get far enough in, like I only I only run like 10 minutes and I'm like, <laughs> nope, not addicted. Yeah. Yeah. 20 minutes turns out is maybe not enough to uh, achieve a runner's high. But I uh, I had a coworker who is really into SoulCycle and decided to lead a small band of people in a trip to SoulCycle. And I was able to justify this to myself by way of, like, team bonding. So we went at 6 a.m. last Monday. 6 a.m.? Uh-huh. Bonding at mm-hmm. 6 a.m. Yeah, we had a big week ahead of us, uh, so it felt appropriate. But I went at 6 a.m., and I felt amazing. And I realized afterward that that was because, first of all, it was longer than 20 minutes. It was like 45 minutes of aerobic activity. And second of all, uh, the instructors are selected for charisma. And um, I went after reading a medium piece about auditioning to be a soul cycle instructor. And through this piece, I found out that they uh, don't care if you have a degree in being anything. All they care about is charisma. So they hire a lot of actors. They hire a lot of uh, people who are sort of deep into yoga. And they do that because uh, having like an inspirational instructor is a big part of their brand. And Lisa, this is the thing for me, because having someone tell me while I'm pouring sweat, because they keep the rooms hot and humid, like it's all part of the plan. I read all of the debunking stuff before I got into it. You learned so much on Medium. I learned so much on Medium. Um, So I read everything and I still, I'm into it, Lisa. I went again yesterday because 45 minutes of exercise that I feel good after is uh, worth it to me. And charisma is the missing ingredient. That's the ticket for you you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wow congratulations i mean i've only gone twice and it costs a lot of money so i'm not sure this is something to be proud of but i am excited about it i'm cautiously excited well it, it sounds like you found uh something that really fits yeah and i think i wasn't really willing to admit that i was so influenced by charisma 
because that seems like a weakness. But once I flipped it into being a personal hack that I could use to get myself moving, I concluded that as long as I'm self-aware, I'm at peace with it. Mm, This is fascinating. Um, Lisa, what has your journey lately been? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe our listeners will remember that I just don't really exercise. I think since I stopped dancing like a decade ago, I never found something again that was so immersive and satisfying that I wanted to do on a regular basis. So I just became like very mushy and content. And I was really enjoying my life without exercise generally enough until I don't really know what happened. Oh, it was the artist's way. Oh. This is so, this is such a convoluted path to exercise. (laughs) But I started doing the artist's way, which I highly recommend. I'm in week six. And part of the reason I started doing that was to create healthy habits around creativity. I always find it so hard to make a habit and actually keep it on a regular basis. So I started doing morning pages, which is basically journaling every morning. And somehow all this time started opening up in my day once I had this structure to it. And then I wanted to add in other habits like exercise. So I decided, okay, similarly to the artist's way, I'm just going to do like whatever it would take for me to do exercise and enjoy it and want to come back again. This is also similar to how we approach should we in the beginning, like lower the stakes. I opened up a map and searched for exercise within a like (laughs) 0.3 mile radius of my house. (laughs) So my requirements were that I had to be able to walk there easily and only in certain directions, not the direction that's down a steep hill. (laughs) It had to be extremely close so that I basically didn't have to do any exercise (laughs) on the way to exercise. (laughs) And then when I got there, it could not be anything extreme. No yelling, no jumping, no scary anything. It had to be gentle. So I found the perfect thing. Wouldn't you know it, there was a beautiful little Pilates studio like two blocks from my house. So I did that, and it led to other things. And then I was like, oh, I have this this little extra energy. What about rediscovering dance? So I found a little dance studio, and I took a samba class. It's like snowballing, Diana. And soon you're going to be just a fitness freak. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. There's, there. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty excited about having done two exercise things a week for the past few weeks. I identify with that very much, partly because I started dance classes of my own last year as a result of the artist's way as well, because there's a part of the artist's way where uh, you do this exercise about, you know, visions of yourself that you hope for but could never really believe or that you've already given up on or something like that. And I realized that 
dance was something that I really thought was out of reach for me. But part of the artist's way is like challenging all of those beliefs and uh, gathering evidence about them through low stakes, uh, low stakes experiments. And so I did a modern dance class that I've talked about before on Should We and loved it, totally loved it. Went four days a week uh, for the two weeks that the class ran. It was an intro to modern dance class. But uh, that was not sustainable. You know, I wasn't going to go to a 5 p.m. dance class forever in Berlin, and I certainly wasn't going to do that here in San Francisco. The thing that kicked off the latest cycle for me was feeling really uh, immersed in work. I was working toward this big conference that just ended and realizing that often when people are very immersed in work, they find solace in exercise. And so I um, had this feeling like whatever it took to stay healthy and standing during this experience was worth the money. It just seemed unquestionable to me. But thinking about these premium one-off boutique fitness experiences, I think I could do a lot of those and still spend less than I would on a gym membership and get more out of it because each time there's the choice, Mm -hmm. but because the experience is so good and so consistent, I make that choice willingly. And so trying to do that math of, uh, of justifying it based on like my actual weaknesses and proclivities, uh, has been an interesting exercise in sobering self-awareness. Well, this also reminds me how much I love buying things. (laughs) And so the gym membership, which I have, I've had a gym membership in the past for maybe six months or something it takes away that joyful moment where I get to tap book and buy you know I love that yeah I'm buying myself a special experience don't take that away from me yeah I feel like this conversation leads very well (laughs) to our next question which is should we take breaks from habits yes so, is that a yes to the question or? Ooh, that's a yes, that's the question, but I don't know what the answer to the question is yet. Okay. I recently did take a break from uh, an important habit, which is that for over a year I'd been writing morning pages, which I started as part of the artist's way. And I believed they were important to me. That's why I kept doing them. I kept doing them even when I would have to wake up at like 3 a.m. for a flight. I would still do it. I would wake up early enough to do the morning pages before I had to pack for my flight or whatever. And I was so incredibly consistent about it. And then sometime around the end of August, I just stopped. It started with not doing it one day, and then it was the slippery slope that everyone warns about. (laughs) Um, But after a few days of, you know, falling down that slippery slope, I decided, okay, as long as I'm falling, I might as well make a conscious choice and say, hey, it's been a year Maybe I don't know what role this plays in my life anymore. And if I consciously accept that I'm going to take a break for a while, then it can come back into my life in a different way or not. Maybe I replace maybe I replace morning pages with exercise. Maybe that's what's happening. So I tried to reframe it and I stopped doing them for a week and then I tried to restart and that didn't work uh, because I was so immersed in work at that point and I had lost the rigidity of like it happens no matter what. It's always the first priority. Mm. And so uh, for the rest of the month, really for all of September, I didn't really do it. Even after granting myself like, OK, it doesn't have to be 750 words. Maybe it can be 300 words instead. Maybe that's the new reality. And it just went from 300 to zero so quickly. 
So now that the big conference I was working on is over, I started doing morning pages yesterday, which was a Saturday, and today, which is a Sunday, and I'm hoping to keep going. Um, but I also am open to the idea that it wouldn't, and that as long as I understand the consequences, maybe it's okay. But I do have to say that some bad things happened when I wasn't doing morning pages. Ooh, what bad things happened? <laughs> well, I think I just lost the momentum of possibility that... Uh, helped me figure out what was wrong and how to fix it. It would often be the case that I would wake up, feel kind of grumpy, write about feeling grumpy, and then lift out of that and say, like, what would help me feel less grumpy, usually, like, making some modest purchase, uh, <laughs> whether of an experience or, or an item. And then I would uh, finish the morning pages and then do that and then mm. feel better. And so that kind of uh, pattern of identifying the issue and resolving the issue all within the first hour of the day, I lost. And I think because of that, some issues lingered for days. That wow. said, I think that other things were able to bubble up more naturally where not everything was so managed and planned. Like all of a sudden I'm now kind of into fitness fads in a way that I don't think I ever would have logically managed. Hmm. But just when I was going with the flow and responding to other people's ideas more so than being the engine of all outcomes in my life, mm -hmm. um, I tagged along on some things that ended up being really good experiences. And now I know what they are and I can incorporate them into my life strategically and selectively. So yeah, I guess the two things I learned were uh, morning pages are a good idea and I want to keep doing them. Uh, they're They're valuable for me. Um, although it is hard to disentangle how much of the stress of the past month was just like the big project I was working on and how mm -hmm. much was that I wasn't doing morning pages. So that's one thing. Morning pages are good. But another is if I'm always the one packing my schedule and making every decision, then I'm not going to experience some things for the first time that might be really welcome additions to my life for reasons that I can't acknowledge or understand. Like I would not have arrived at the conclusion that I am swayed by charisma if I had not experienced it for myself and then analyzed it afterward. Because as I said, it's kind of embarrassing. But mm. now that I know it about myself, I am able to incorporate it in uh, in thoughtful ways. And that that sounds also like something that could be connected to the artist's way. The idea that you leave room in life for serendipity. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I uh, could not have done that in the last month with all of the obligations I had if I hadn't dropped something. And so this idea that, you know, we talked before about mornings and how the ideal morning would last five hours if you really add it all up. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't seem realistic. And so at some point, you know, if that precious morning hour is going to happen, optimizing what's in it is going to require dropping some things and incorporating others until you are able to weigh them and also figure out which means what to you at each stage of your life. Like, after a year of writing every day, was that always the highest value additional thing? Or maybe getting moving is higher value. But mm. that's really applying a lot, of, uh, a lot of analysis to something that was basically just, you know, like desperation <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I mean, you're in the thick of the artist's way right now yeah. and being extremely, uh, extremely consistent about morning pages and all of that. How has that felt? It's funny because I feel like I'm in a very different place in terms of habit making. Even the question, should we take breaks from habits, makes me nervous. Because I'm like, this is the first time in my life that I can remember since learning to brush my teeth that I have consistently 
done something every single day on purpose, like a new habit, a thing that didn't have to be done. And that's morning pages. And I'm so happy about it. It's going so well. The first few weeks, it felt really hard. I really didn't want to do it. I hated doing it every day. But then after two or three weeks, I started really loving it and looking forward to it. And I feel like it, it has had such, a, such great effects on the way I think about my time. And anyways, I'm really committed to morning pages right now. And I'm also like in this space where I want to try out other habits and try those on and see if, see if I want to put even more structure into my week. But not too much. <laughs> Still leaving space for discovery and serendipity. But it is very interesting thinking about the morning in particular as a space for habits. The only way I was able to start doing morning pages was I told myself I don't have to wake up earlier in order to do this. So I started coming to work later and it was fine. I wasn't willing to compromise on sleep and that worked fine for like a month. And then one day I needed to get to work earlier and I was like, no way, I'm not waking up earlier. It just ruins my whole day. If I have to wake up earlier than usual. So I bumped breakfast to at the office. I just <laughs> ate a snack once I got to work while I worked. And that was the thing that went. So it seems like I'm starting to realize what are the things that matter to me a lot in the mornings. And one is morning pages now. One is, one is breakfast and one is getting to wake up when I want to. <laughs> <laughs> but if that's the case, then there's really not room for much more than a 45-minute morning habit, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you need to get to work at some kind of reasonable hour. <laughs> I mean, we could examine that assumption. But <laughs> Well, I, I've also got this... This commute, I mean, I ride the bus for 40 minutes, and that's kind of flexible time. I don't use that time well right now. I just listen to Spotify or podcasts, mainly hours. Uh -huh. But I could, you know, also have a habit that I really do with intention on the bus. Yeah, that sounds really hard for me. Buses are so rattly. That's true. <laughs> so much that's bumping. True. Yeah, I think that being able to take a break from a habit presumes that the habit exists in the first place yes <laughs> that's the thing it feels so tenuous I'm like I gotta really get it rooted before I can even know what a slippery slope would be. Right. I gotta get up on top of the slope right and this reminds me of that book better than before that's about habit formation and it made a big difference to me reading it because it made me realize that uh, my relationship to obligation and expectations, my own and other people's, is not everybody's relationship. And therefore, I couldn't, you know, read everybody's inspirational memoir essays on Medium and get useful information out of them. Because if somebody loves waking up and running every day with friends, you know, if like 
being committed to a friend is the thing that motivates them. I feel like if I were committed to you to run every morning, I would just like we would end up talking about why it wasn't a good idea and then I would stop doing it. You know, (laughs) I just don't think that would go well. And I wouldn't want that to infect our relationship. Yeah. Also, we're very forgiving. So it's very forgiving. So don't worry about it. There's always tomorrow. Exactly. Tomorrow's another day. So the thing that really helps me is um, knowing exactly the experience I'm going to get and treating the first time of, let's say, exercise as like a true experiment that could go either way. Mm -hmm. And then if I like it, I know how to get it again. And if I don't like it, it leaves my life forever. And that kind of thing works really well for me. But I am always believing that I should build more habits. But I think taking a break from morning pages for a while helped me realize that fallow periods in life are important for reworking stuff and the energy I felt this past month about like oh after this conference everything's going to be different Mm -hmm. uh, reminded me of how I used to feel before a semester would start Mm -hmm. and I don't really get that vibe of like tomorrow you know next month everything will be different if I'm doing some stuff that feels virtuous but not the full set of things that could be virtuous or helpful or joyful for me so yeah interesting well okay Diana uh, we have a third and very important question to address. Are you ready for I'm it? I'm so ready. Should we buy silk outerwear? <laughs> Can I tell you a story? Yes. Okay. So on the day that I walked to work last week, I saw this woman walking towards me wearing silk outerwear. She had a silky bomber jacket. Also, it seems like the name of this jacket is problematic, but that's what it's called. It's so in. She had the sleeves pushed up, and she looked so sleek, so sleek. But I had a lot of questions about the situation. So I was thinking, she looks so great, Um And it's San Francisco, it never rains, great. But, like, it seems to me that a silk jacket is not actually practical (laughs) anywhere else except San Francisco, right? Yeah. And also, usually I think of a jacket as kind of like either protecting me from the elements or protecting my nice shirt or something from whatever, But if I feel like I need to protect my jacket, that feels complicated, right? It seems fussy, but it looks so great, so great. What should we do? Oh, well, Lisa, silk outerwear makes no sense, and yet I'm so drawn to it. And this predates the silk bomber jacket conversation of Slack this week, which we both got quite deep into. I went on a quest for a satin bomber jacket earlier this year because I was just like thinking through outerwear options and concluded I wanted a type of jacket that would be part of an outfit, but also that I could wear over and over again. I ended up with a totally different kind of jacket that was like a quilted geometric situation that I indeed have worn almost every day for half of each work day, the cold half of each work day. With um, pins on it. With pins on it, with enamel pins for like a month and a half now. Um, but 
silk or satin bomber jackets were my other uh, my other top choice. And then there's this silk parka that I have coveted for a very long time from Equipment, our one of our mutual favorite brands. So when you sent through a picture of a silk bomber jacket from Equipment this week, I thought. It's perfect. Dream come true. And then I started thinking through all the things you just mentioned, like what happens if it rains? I have a lot of silk apparel that's already extremely problematic. Like it turns out that cashmere is more durable than silk in a lot of ways, which just seems wild. (laughs) And so it seemed like such a bad idea, but it was so pretty. And I think in San Francisco it could work. So I answered the question, should we buy silk outerwear with a purchase. Um, but I am really curious to see if it actually works out because it seems so ill-advised. So you haven't received it yet? I have not received it yet. It's en route. Okay, so the question is partly answered. Should we buy silk outerwear? Yes. Should we keep buying silk <laughs> outerwear? Or should we, should we be pleased with our purchase? That's another question. Mm-hmm. Should um, we return silk outerwear? <laughs> should we keep the tags on our silk outerwear until we're really, really sure? Right. Um, this makes me kind of want to recount how I discovered equipment. Yes. Should, should we talk about yeah. that? Okay, so I discovered equipment through Rent the Runway when I was doing Rent the Runway Unlimited. Then I stopped doing Rent the Runway Unlimited. And then I discovered they have equipment, shirts and dresses, jackets, whatever, at Nordstrom Rack and Last Call. Who knew? For like a third of the price. You don't need to rent equipment shirts. You just go buy one (laughs) at bargain basement prices and you will look fabulous. Unless you want the latest color scheme. Although, but the nice thing about buying this brand at a discount store is that silk button downs are kind of timeless. Mm -hmm. And in San Francisco, they're really all season. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't look out of season if you buy it at a bargain. I just felt like I should mention my journey Mm -hmm. from, from one space to another with equipment. And you carried me on this journey through many links sent on Slack, and I'm now fully bought in. I actually found my own equipment source, uh, discount equipment source, which is the Outnet, which is a discount retailer online. And I got some great things. I got a blue metallic silk shirt. I got a really cool gradient silk shell. Oh, I love that one. Mm, yeah. I saw it in your pictures. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. It's like classy with a hint of character. And then I got a fun polka dot silk t-shirt. So all silk all the time. And I'm also so drawn to their pajamas, but... Oh, should we buy silk pajamas? <laughs> it's a whole other question. Whole other question. But it has similar problems. Yeah, silk, not always so practical, but always... Glamorous. Always glamorous. Well, we have some people to thank. Yes, we do. Now that we've come to the conclusion of our episode, we should definitely thank Yosh from Faultline Studios for our space and for helping us record. And Canada, the band who created our theme song, Hey Garland. We also want to thank Math Times Joy for being our wonderful design studio. 
and all of our Kickstarter backers for making this season possible. Thank you. Should you tune in next time, we'll let you decide.